Soccer Weekly ESPN LA 710. I am Dave Dunholm. This is the home of world football in Southern California. Proudly presented by Puente Hills Toyota. Get your new 2018 Toyota Camry SE today at Puente Hills Toyota. Check them out. PuenteHillsToyota.com. Dave Dunholm alongside one of my favorites in the world of soccer and in the world in general. He's a good buddy and a good friend of the show. You've heard him here before here on Soccer Weekly. He also was my host at 3 for a Win as I co-hosted that with him back in the day. It's the great Carlos Torres. Carlos, Carlos, how are you, buddy? Good to see you. I'm doing great. Thank you, Dave, for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you, especially around World Cup time, Carlos. I felt I wanted to, you know, I, I referenced you last week talking about Colombia, your team, now that the U.S. has been embarrassed. So you got a, a lot going on in that group, which I discussed. Uh, real quick, just give me your thoughts on that group, even though if you want to go back and listen to that, it's on the podcast of last week's show here at Soccer Weekly. But Carlos, what are your thoughts on that group with Colombia? I mean, it's a group that's very winnable by almost every team, or you can you you, you can't count anybody out. Yeah. is what I'm saying. That's exactly I, not what everybody I, can win exactly it, but you can't count anybody out. Uh, Colombia has a lot of talent. Uh, frankly, it should be uh, it should be an embarrassment if they don't make it out of this group stage. Uh, I think it's a winnable group. Who are you relying Columbia. on? Obviously, Hamas. You know, we know the big names, but who who is Colombia re- relying on beyond? a great guy like Hamas Rodriguez, who else has to perform? I mean, Falcao, who was completely, I mean, absent due to injury in the last World Cup. Yeah, I, mean, I forgot he, was, he even played football, you know. Yeah, he was going to be such a good uh, good hope for uh, Colombia during the last World Cup, and I think you're just counting on him to, yeah. to show what he couldn't show in the last one. Yeah, so. no, that's a great point. Falcao obviously playing very well for Monaco over the last few, I mean, he's back into form. Yeah, 24 goals this past season. Yeah, so he's, he's ready to go, and certainly the guy can put the ball in the back of the net. So we just want, I just wanted to give you a taste of that with Carlos' perspective from Colombia. I feel similar in that I have no idea who's winning that group yet. I gotta make those final predictions next week, Carlos, on this show. But I don't even, I have no clue who I'm gonna pick in that group because of what you said. It's just throw a dart at any of the, any of these teams could fall on their face, too. Because if the other teams prove to be better than maybe people think, or you know, somebody like a Japan comes out and plays really well for three games, could really throw a wrench into the plans of these other teams. Well, it's an interesting World Cup because I think we're going to actually see a separation between some of the Asian teams and African teams and the rest of the world, yeah. the, the South Africans, the, the European teams. I mean, the South American, the, yeah. the, the, the European teams. You know, we're always you're always kind of giving you know some kind of uh, some kind of credit to the Japanese for their hard work, for their athleticism, for their skill. But I think the Asian teams and the African teams are just they're not going to show up that well this World Cup. Yeah, I, I I don't tend to disagree with you. I don't really think they're that strong for one thing. It's not as though it's oh they got to travel so far. I mean, it's Russia. That's not far for Asian teams. That's actually kind of in their backyard, realistically, yep. compared to even some other countries like South American teams. Got a long way to go. But so it's not about that. It's just I don't think they're very good this time, by and large. I think Iran's a little bit tricky, and uh, I talked a little bit about them. I think their defense is good enough. But Saudi Arabia, South Korea, actually, I think is weak this time for for what the South Koreans have been over the last few World Cups. And Japan is a bit of a wild card. They could still play well. they got a lot of talent. Let's go to Group A, Carlos. In this show, we're breaking down Group A, C, E, and G. So it's kind of the odd-numbered groups if you're looking at them in numbers. Of course, they work with letters. Group A, this one is as mayhem- mayhemish as your group, frankly. it's You just don't know. You think you know, but you might not have any idea. You sense that Uruguay, and by the way, the four teams in order are Russia, Saudi Arabia, that's who they open with, Egypt, and Uruguay, which is a big first game for those two teams. Egypt and Uruguay as the second game in that group. That's a that's a tricky opener for both of those teams. But Carlos, you knowing South America as you do, you got to feel good about Uruguay in this group. 
Uruguay should have no problem winning this group. Uh, the Mo Salah injury is going to – it threw everything into chaos in this group. Or, well, they say or, or he's made it be easier. fine. I mean, but uh, – yeah, I mean, it's, he's still banged up. So yeah. I really – honestly, I said it last week. I think Marco Arena scores more goals in this World Cup than Mo Salah. Let me explain. I, I told everybody I would explain this week. Marco Arena is going to score one goal for Costa Rica in this World <laughs> Cup. Salah's going to get shut out, and here's why. Is he a great player? You bet. He's awesome. Unbelievable player. He's going to get every bit of the attention of these three teams poured on him, right? Make other people beat you. Double, triple team Mo Salah. Yeah, just mark him out. Yeah, out mark him out completely. of the game. See what ha- And you know what? And I, I even said, that doesn't mean Egypt's going to do badly because we've seen it before. You try to mark out somebody, somebody else can be left open. And Egypt, Egypt certainly has a decent team. It's just everybody thinks it's just Mo Salah and that's it. So they're going to just absolutely take him out. He's not going to score anything. I still think Egypt could get out of this group, though. I think it leaves the door open for Russia, yeah. for the host to get out of this group, along with Uruguay, obviously. I mean, if Russia is not helped by the fact they're the hosts and they have those home crowds, then they're never going to be any good because this is their time. They, they've always underperformed, it seems. Everybody always has that, like, you know, Russia's they're not, not that bad, good. but they're not that good. No. They, they really can't score. That has been my problem with Russia over the last few years, and even going back into other World Cups. Not a bad organized team. They know what they want to do. Pretty good talent around the Russian league. They spend money. They bring in exports that help their, you know, most of the guys who play for Russia play in Russia. So they're playing around great Brazilians and all these other big names that we've seen go to Russia over the last few years. The Hulks and the other guys, you know, and Zenit is a good team in Europe and they've got some good teams. It's just when they get to the international level, they don't quite put the ball in the back of the net enough to be reliable. Now, that said, Carlos, if they come out and get a nice 3 0 spanking of Saudi Arabia in the first game, get some confidence going, fans get even more excited, who knows? I, I, I still think I gotta go Uruguay and Egypt. Just slightly, slight advantage there. If Egypt survives that first game against Uruguay and it's not some. Which I don't think, I don't think they will, and I think Russia will be yeah. Saudi Arabia, so they'll come out with the opposite. That's points. fair. That's a lot of pressure then. It, as I talked about it last week, Carlos, I don't know how you, how do you feel about, to me, it's where you are in terms of the game order that is big too and it's it's only three games so if you're playing like germany in your first group game sometimes it's better to play them last and this host is playing the worst team in the the world cup well that but you know what in a weird way they have to win that game russia that's a lot of pressure right out of the jump like it's already enough pressure hosting the first game and hosting the games you have to win this game against saudi arabia there's no get a draw out of this and hope you you know if you're playing uruguay yeah maybe you can play to a nil nil or a one one and feel pretty good about it you got to beat Saudi Arabia. As much pride as the Russians have, this will be an embarrassment if they can't yeah. beat Saudi Arabia. No, you're absolutely right. Absolutely right. But they can, and I think they will. I think I, I, I tend to actually agree with you. I think Russia is probably the slight favorite over Egypt to get out of there. Let's go to Group C. And this one intrigues, not for all the other reasons, but I really am intrigued by the team that's going to finish second. France is winning this group. France likes to come out and play well in group stage. They don't usually like to mess around too much. I believe France is getting three wins in this group, quite frankly. France has all the talent in the world. Playing Australia first is good for France. Even if they have a kind of a rough game, they probably will still win that. Just Even if they played a kind of poor game, they'll probably still beat Australia. Then you got Peru. Tricky. Very tricky. With Guerrero coming back off of this alleged suspension that is now overturned. He's kind of their talisman, their moral leader, if you well, not moral leader, but kind of that emotional leader for Peru. Pretty tricky team. And then Denmark is solid. Christian Eriksen can do damage. Thomas Delaney is a really good player. So it's not an easy group, but France, in your estimation, you, are you considering them the favorite like I do? Yeah. 
uh, three games, nine points easily. Now, this is where it gets tricky with the second-place team. Uh, We certainly have to assume that Peru and Denmark, that first game is big for them, right? you got to assume if one of those teams wins that, then they're probably in the driver's seat for that second-place team. But I think Guerrero is the type of player that can also be kind of marked out of a game. Yeah, Uh, The Danish are obviously very, very physical Good, uh, solid, te- technically, defensively, yeah. too. Yeah, they're very physical, very defensive. You know, that's the thing about people don't realize. Denmark has had just success after success over the years. Like, this is a smaller country who's just great at football. Like, they won the Euros back when nobody expected them. I know they had a generation with the Laudra brothers who are unreal players, admittedly, and they don't have that kind of player necessarily, although Christian Eriksen is very good, and I suspect he'll have a good tournament. And I like Thomas Delaney. Plays very well in the Bundesliga. He's a solid player. So I think the midfield for them... It's all a matter of if they if Erickson can't get goals, who else is going to get them in a way? So I think I think Peru, for me, is still a, a team that can really do some damage in this group. I really do. I, I'm going to go with Denmark. Actually, I think they're one of the better teams yeah. in Europe. I can't argue with that. Uh, a little underrated. Yeah. And I think this, like I, like I mentioned, the separation. I think there's a separation between this Danish team and this Peruvian team. Now here's an interesting group. Group E. This one fascinates me. Well, first of all, we've got the CONCACAF rooting interest, if you're into that kind of thing, since the United States is not there. Brazil will take on Switzerland in the first game in this group. Costa Rica and Serbia. Tricky little group here. Not exactly the toughest teams coming out of, like, Europe, although Switzerland is very hard to beat. They're just a, they're just weird. They can really do really well, and then they, they have bad games, but they're hard to score upon even when they play badly, so they occasionally will get that nil-nil throw in there. I really think it's the top two teams. If Switzerland doesn't get embarrassed by Brazil and fall down like 5-0 in goal difference, they're probably going to go through, in my estimation. Yeah, I think the Swiss are actually better than Denmark uh, in Europe. Yeah, I would agree. So, yeah, no, no doubt like Brazil one of those almost gets almost gets like the, the – not the bye, but they almost get like high, so highly rated sometimes. I think we saw the last World Cup. Weren't they like one of the seeds or something? like? I mean, there was maybe it was the World Cup before then. But remember, in like 2010, they beat Spain – Right out of the jump, when the year Spain won the tournament, actually, they lost their opener to Switzerland. Switzerland's very tricky. Certainly, Carlos Brazil, I said it last week, they're the most talented team in the world right now. Yeah. In terms of the roster that they're taking to the World Cup, I just don't see any weaknesses. Uh, I still got questions about Neymar's foot, but... I, yeah, that's yeah. obviously. But, you know, Jesus, you got all these other... I mean, you now have some people who can also do the business if Neymar even isn't in 100%, you know. And you can't just mark out Neymar out of a game. Because everybody else will just destroy you. Firmino and all these other... I mean, the names are there. Coutinho. They're loaded. This is a team that, on any given day, is going to beat just about anyone in the world. I actually think they're one of my favorites to win, but we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. One of the f- easy favorites to win. Yeah, I think one final. of the top two or three, in fact. They're right up there. Yep. Serbia is a little bit of a wild card. Mitrovic is a good player up front. They work hard. I mean, they, you know, they didn't have the easiest of qualifying routes. So, I mean, this is a team that certainly can do the business. Costa Rica, Carlos. Let's talk about this CONCACAF team here real quick. I don't, I don't see them as being as good as they were in 14. That was a magical ride. I just, they don't have that same kind of fire anymore, it seems. No, they have one of the hottest goalkeepers in the world. Fair enough. In yeah. Kaylor Navas. Uh, That'll go he, a long way. He can carry them a long way, but they're still just depending on so many of the same players. Yeah. You know, Ruiz, 
Like they're uh, just older. They're yeah. four years yeah. older, you know, and that that does slow you down a little bit. I don't see that next generation yet catching up nope. to those guys. That's indeed why Ruiz and Campbell and all these guys are still being made. Bolaño, you'll see all the familiar names you're going to remember. And, yeah, I, I agree. I think Costa Rica is going to have a lot of trouble in this group. Yeah, they are. I, I, I would agree with that. We got Group G coming up, but... I want to tell you right now, in the next segment, we're going to, Group G's coming up later in the show. Carlos will still be around. Stick around, Carlos. Good talking to you. But I got a, a special interview coming up with a very big announcement. I'm not messing around. This isn't like, hey, I'm going to go on a diet. I'm not faking this or anything. This is a big <laughs> announcement for you, the soccer fan, that you're going to want to hear. Stick around right now here on Soccer Weekly. This is the home of world football in Southern California, ESPN LA 710. Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710. I am Dave Dunholm. You are listening to the home of world football here in Southern California. It's brought to you by Puente Hills Chevy. Find new roads at Puente Hills Chevy off the 60 freeway in the city of industry is the San Gabriel Valley Chevy store. Se habla espanol. Joining me right now, you know him, you love him here on ESPN LA 710. He's a huge part of the Lakers broadcast as well. Mike Trudell. Mike, thanks so much for taking the time, buddy. Appreciate it. I know you're a diehard soccer guy getting ready for the World Cup. Oh, look, I might be the one person who, even though I was initially devastated by the USA, as everybody else, it didn't really even hinder my excitement for the World Cup that much because we still have basically every great player in the world, minus Christian Pulisic, who's going to be there. Yeah. And I cannot wait. I cannot wait to talk about it with you, my friend. Well, and we're going to get to that in a second. But more importantly, which is amazing, actually, we have a huge announcement that I've been teasing about throughout the day on Twitter. You can follow me at Talk Soccer. And teased about it a little bit earlier in the show. Mike, I'm super excited to announce that Mike Trudell and I are going to be hosting a nightly World Cup show, Soccer Tonight. Yeah, you see what we did there with the name, Mario? Yeah, you get it. Soccer Tonight here on ESPN LA 710, Mondays through Fridays during the World Cup. So, Mike, we're going to be breaking down this action. This is huge. I am super pumped to be hosting it with you. So am I. So here's the plan, Denhoff. So the first game is going to be on at about 5 a.m., Yeah. right? So, so that one's uh, that one's probably getting recorded on the DVR. Uh, I will my my kids will wake up around six thirty seven. Uh, I will not check my phone. Immediately put the first game on. Yeah. Uh, fast forward halftime. Get done by the next game, which is probably going to be at eight a.m. And then the third game will be at eleven a.m. You and I will watch all three every day. Then we will discuss way more possible things than we could possibly fit into an hour. These shows are going to be just jam packed with stuff. Yep. All of the drama from the World Cup. Uh, so you're right, man. It's going to be pretty cool. And it's going to be each night. So don't worry about if you're at work or anything like that. They're going to be coming up, you know, the 7 o'clock time zone, usually right around there, 7 to 8 p.m. most nights. There are a couple of days, just so you know, off the jump, where we'll have a little pre- a couple of preemptions. But, man, we are super excited to be bringing it to you virtually every day of the World Cup, including the day of the final, which is a Sunday, but we're not messing around. We're going to do a show after the final as well. Mike uh, Trudell joining me here. Mike, as you know, is a huge Laker guy, reporter for the Lakers, but he's also a big soccer guy. Mike, let's take a look at this World Cup, and you mentioned all the excitement about it and all the stars. Obviously, the pressure of the world, quite literally, is on the shoulders of Lionel Messi. This is his last real golden opportunity for his age to take that title down, Mike. Does he finally do it this time? Man, so it's so it's so difficult to put this into context. Uh, and you think about American sports. You know, the the best team <laughs> almost always wins in yeah. basketball. Yep. And, uh, the Warriors are going to do that. But in other sports, you know, for example, the NFL, the best team doesn't always win. So it, it's a little when you're looking at the legacies of players, it, it's easier to count rings in basketball than it is in other sports. And in soccer, you know, one guy, well, especially Messi's caliber, he might be the best ever. He can have a massive impact on a game. 
and he almost dragged Argentina, who didn't get much contribution from, even though they have all these other star attacking players. The last World Cup, they got to the final, and they just couldn't get over the hump. Um, same thing uh, in in, the, in various other South American and, uh, and, and uh, just the Americas tournaments that they played in, where he get, drags them to the final, and they haven't been over the hump. And people use that argument against Messi, you know, when stacking him up against Diego Maradona, who of course led Argentina to the two World Cups, so against Pele, who of course won all the World Cups with Brazil. And that's why so many of us that you know have no Argentinian blood whatsoever, but just love the way watching Messi play for all these years. This uh, this amazing amazing 5'6 or 5'7 talent uh, who scores more goals and it's just more goals than anyone we've ever seen at the highest levels of world soccer. He just hasn't gotten to raise that trophy. And so uh, I probably, like many, uh, are go- going to be rooting for that. Uh, how about you? Are you are you on the Messi side? Are you more of Ronaldo? Do you care that much? Are you uh, where, where do you stack up on the Messi situation? It's so funny how you described it because I was sitting here nodding my head because I am totally rooting for Lionel Messi to win since the United States is not in there. And look, I've got some other teams that I'm going to keep an eye on, and if they win, that's great. I'm looking forward to a lot of upsets, hopefully. But yeah, I want him to win, Mike. And I'll say this. He, you, you described it perfectly when you said he dragged that team to the final because there was some dude on that team that had like this rat tail hair thing. If you remember this guy, it went down, I can't even remember his name, played forward who literally couldn't start for the Colorado Rapids. He was that bad. I mean, this guy and, and he was somehow wearing the same jersey as Lionel Messi in the last World Cup and he was so bad. I mean, that team was incredibly average without Lionel Messi and I mean, incredibly average. They would have got dumped. Even some of the guys that was playing with were, were you know, Real Madrid. Oh, sure. Like, like, like Iguain, you know, who scored billions of goals for Inter Milan is over there. Like, he could not find the back of the net all tournament. Angel Di Maria, I, fine talent that everybody tells yeah. you about, but he can't get it done when it really matters. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, so, I, in, I, I, I so totally to agree. To initial, right, so to go back to your original question, I don't think, like, I'll take the field, right? I mean, there are so many other good teams, and I'm, I'm going to be upset about it, but uh, Brazil... I think since Brazil got smacked so badly by Germany last World Cup, I think everyone's shell-shocked by that. They are incredible. Yeah. They are incredibly talented at every position. They have the best midfield in the world. They've got more strikers than you than you can list. Uh, they have a great goalkeeper. Uh, so they're going to be there. right? France is incredibly talented. Spain's going to be there. Uh, you know, To some extent, Portugal won the Euros. right? Uh, they're they're going to be in the mix somewhere. Belgium is talented. Um, is all get up. And, of course, Germany, the defending champs who are playing uh, relatively close to home. So there are all these other great teams, and the ball is going to bounce a certain way. Like I, I'm going to be rooting for Argentina, and then we'll get it. We'll have to, we'll have to do a whole show on this, Dave. Uh, I have ancestry from across Western Europe, and I'm going to need, I have to kind of figure out how I can parse that out to root for teams in what order. So that, that's going to be a whole show, right? Where we that. pick our our teams. But but if I had to, my my initial pick because I love Messi so much and I love what he's represented uh, in, in just the playing the game in such a beautiful way, um, I will be rooting for Argentina above all else. What do we need? We need a sponsor for uh, World uh, the uh, so- World Cup tonight or soccer tonight. What, Ancestry 23 or something? We need to then check our ancestry ancestries out. And, uh... Well, here's the thing. So, here, so, so look, I'm, I'm French, right? My name is French. I'm English. Um, I'm German. I'm Irish. And then, like, a little bit of Russian. So, uh, that, so I, Ireland did not make the World Cup, so that's out. Yeah. Um, Definitely not going to root for Russia. Okay, um, that's out. Uh, so that basically leaves uh, you know Germany, which uh, which my that side of the family was not as big. So it kind of leaves England and France. Now I'm a Manchester United fan, 
and I've got players on both teams, right? I've got Lingard um, and, and, and Rashford in England. I've got Pogba um, and, and, and uh, a couple other players on France. I mean, so this, these are the teams that are kind of vying for my, uh, for my loyalty and affection. Uh, I like the French kits a little better. Right, I don't know. It's going to be complicated. I'm going to need your help to figure it out. I love it. We're talking with Mike Trudell. Mike and I are going to be hosting a nightly World Cup show here on ESPN LA 710. We're super pumped to announce that. We're announcing it for the first time right here. And that actually begins June 14th, it looks like, unless, I don't know, somehow the Cavs pull off a miracle, but that's not going to happen. But anyway, probably June 14th is when we begin with this, the nightly show, which is running Monday through Fridays. And then, of course, we'll have a show after the final as well, which is the Sunday, the July 15th. Mike, we got to talk a little CONCACAF here. I, I, I'll lay it out how I feel about it. I'm not going to try to persuade you, but people have been asking me, oh, are you going to root for Mexico because the U.S. isn't in it? And they're like, and you know, we see this Sports Illustrated article like the America's second team. I'm like, are you kidding me? I hope El Tree loses 8-0 <laughs> for three straight games and goes home. I'm not rooting for these guys. How do you feel about that? Uh, this is such a hard question. I, I, all right, so my, I'll, I'll tell you this. My opinion on El Tree has evolved some since I moved to Southern California in 2008. So I grew up in Minnesota, and as a big soccer fan, you know, World Cups, CONCACAFs trying to qualify, the Mexican fans throwing uh, you-know-what on our players. Yeah, and, sure. And our you know, so I, so that, they were always the rival. They were the UNC to, uh, to our Duke or the Red Sox to the Yankees or the Celtics to the Lakers. They, they were the team as a U.S. soccer fan that you hated above all else. But, again, since I've moved here and I've, I've made, made so many friends uh, of Mexican descent, um, I've, I've continued to sort of watch that team more. I, I'm coming around. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to cheer for them over everybody, but I, I don't have that same venom that I have when they're playing against the U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I'm not sure that I can, that I can just full-on you know, put on an L-Tree uh, jersey and go that far, but I've been softened so much by all of the, uh, the vibrant uh, Mexican soccer fans in this city. Uh, that I that there is a part of me that that is rooting for them in that sense. So I, I have to admit it hurts because it, it feels like I'm uh, I'm I'm going against the U.S. of my childhood in terms of soccer. Um, but I, I I have found myself doing that more and more. Uh, and and so there's that's the long answer to the question. It sounds like you are on the opposite side. Of the <laughs> well, it, it makes me it, to do it. it makes me realize something. Mike Trudell is a nice guy. I'm a jerk. I got to admit because I want. <laughs> I want Mario Rees to feel the pain of a 4-0 loss every game for his L3 and get dumped out as soon as possible. Well, I, will, I will say this. I will say one thing that I resented, okay? Uh, they could have helped us get into the World Cup. I know. And instead, they decided to just lay down. And I can't remember if it was Costa Rica or Panama that they were playing. or It was, it was, one, it was one of the two, right? And, and who was uh, – now, now I'm forgetting this, but there was a – oh, Graham Zussi. Yeah, Zussi, St. Graham, of course. Yeah. Ducey scored to basically guarantee Mexico's um, a previous birth, and now we couldn't get a little love from Chicharito or somebody. I know. So I do resent that a little bit. That I'm, now get, I'm not getting more mad now. You bring up some good points here, I must admit. No, it's all in good, clean fun. You know how I like to call it, Mike. It's sports hate. You know, It's not the end of the world. But I, I love the fact that Germany and Mexico and Sweden and Korea Republic, that's a good group. I look forward to watching Mexico in this World Cup. they got a lot of talent, there's no doubt. He's a talented dude. I can't wait to work with him on this soccer show for the World Cup every night, Mondays through Fridays here on ESPN LA 710. He's Mike Trudell. Mike, thanks so much for taking the time, buddy. Really pumped about it. I look forward to it, man. All right, can't wait, man. I'll, uh, I'll try not to let you nutmeg me too much in the studio. <laughs> I want to see that.
<laughs> I, that guy is being too okay. kind. Thank you, Mike. He's being way too All kind. Right. He played some soccer. He would run me over. There's no doubt about that. That's Mike Trudell. I appreciate that. And he's going to be joining me. And we're really pumped for that show. Again, every night, soccer tonight, Monday through Fridays, during the World Cup, beginning on the 14th, we're going to be having a an hour-long show above and beyond Soccer Weekly here, kids. I know you love Soccer Weekly. A lot of you don't even really like soccer. You just love good radio. Don't worry. That'll be on as well. So we're doing it above and beyond. So we've got a lot going on here. I am Dave Denholm. Carlos Torres is in studio with me. He's a good friend of mine and a good soccer buddy as well here in Southern California. We've got stoppage time coming up later on in the show. We're going to keep breaking down these groups as well. Got so much more to get to. This is Soccer Weekly on the home of world football in Southern California. It's ESPN LA 710. Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710. I am Dave Denholm, and you are listening to the home of world football in Southern California. Very cool to talk to Mike Trudell and the announcement we just made about a weekly, a nightly, a bigger part, a nightly World Cup show, Soccer Tonight which will have Mondays through Fridays here on ESPN LA 710 throughout the World Cup. And we'll actually do a show on the day of the World Cup final, which is a Sunday. So that's like a special show there, too. But, yeah, keep, keep it in fo- you know, on our Twitter. You can follow me at Talk Soccer. We'll have more information. But, again, every night we're going to be talking World Cup throughout the week here on ESPN LA 710 with only a few few uh, preemptions for some other things going on, but it's going to be a whole lot of fun throughout the World Cup. Good to talk to Mike Trudell. He's going to be the host with me of that. It's time now for the Health Report on Soccer Weekly, sponsored by L.A. Care. As the nation's largest community-inspired health plan, L.A. Care is elevating health care in the city of Angel. L.A. Care, for all of L.A., lacare.org. Pretty good, to be perfectly honest with you. We've been singing the praises of this health report for the most part. Now, no offense to Luis Lopez, the goalkeeper for LAFC. He's still been out with that tibial stress fracture. He's been out all season, so it's not as though LAFC knows what they're missing quite yet. He's a fine keeper, but they haven't had any of, you know, we'll see how long that takes. LA Galaxy's still working on the Rolf Felcher shoulder surgery. He's going to be out for still many months, still a few more months on that at least. So, And uh, Bradford Jamison's interesting. He was suffering with the concussions. I thought he played in he, the He played and scored yesterday. Yeah, yeah, so, I mean, that's good news. Obviously, he must be, you know, passing the concussion protocol and all that stuff. So that's always good. Now, uh, considering the opponents that these two teams are going to be playing on the weekend, if we're looking at RSL, Real Salt Lake has had a long, long list of injuries throughout the season. And a lot of those you've already known about because uh, they actually played LAFC earlier. Schwal Plata has a bit of an undisclosed injury. They've still got some uh, long-term injuries, including Tony Beltran, Luke Mulholland, but Joao Plata is more recent there, so that's a bit of a factor there. And LAFC taking on San Jose Earthquakes. You'll hear it right here on ESPN LA 710. Shea Salinas has been out for a while. They've got uh, some defender that I never heard of, Jacob Akarigay. Sorry, Jacob, but he's got an ankle injury. I don't know. Akarigay. I, I don't even know who that is, but I'm sure he's fine. He's a good player, but I mean, uh, you know, hope he comes back from his injury sometime soon. Anyway, we move on because I've never heard of poor Jacob there. I don't know that he has. Have you ever heard of Jacob uh, Akarigay? No. Not until now. Okay, so probably not going to be a massive factor in that game against LAFC or his his missing. But I apologize if you are a. I don't know. I don't apologize to earthquake fans. Who cares? Since when do you apologize to earthquake fans? I hate the San Jose earthquakes. The heck with that. Talking with Carlos Torres here, who's uh, guest hosting with me this week, and uh, Carlos, a buddy of mine, and uh, we've been uh, together, friends in soccer for a long time. We co-hosted Three for a Win, which is an old popular podcast. Before Carlos went off and got a great job at Cal South, so uh, good for you, Carlos. But you screwed me and left me. Oh, left me for dead <laughs> on the side of the road. But it's all right. So we've covered. Uh, you rebounded. 
What yeah, are you talking about? I did. I did all right. Groups B, D, and uh, whatever the other one was that we talked about. I don't even remember e. here. E. Okay. Group. No, no. Groups. I'm sorry. A, C, and E. Carlos is right. So we do have that last group we want to talk about is G. And this will be the final group that we're discussing here. Belgium, Panama, Tunisia, and England. So Belgium takes on Panama. Of course, CONCACAF. This is where the United States would have likely been here. This is... Kind of where, if you really want to get nostalgic and start to cry, it would have been Belgium, U.S., Tunisia, and England. That's a, a, a mouth-watering group there for the United States if they'd have been in. For Panama, Carlos, it's going to be a whole lot of headaches in my estimation. I think all three of these teams can run over the Panamanians. This team, for to me, looks like they're in trouble. Yeah, this would have been another group of death if the U.S. had been in it because yeah. Tunisia is one of the most – I think they're flying a bit under the radar, but they're one of the better teams that had, has actually made it into this World Cup. And it's not going to be a cakewalk for Belgium or England over Tunisia. You've got to be aware of them. I do agree. I think England's schedule is really tricky in the sense that they start with Tunisia. They're going to be looking past them. The, the media is going to be all over England if they don't win 4-0, which is ridiculous because, as you say, I, I agree with you, Tunisia is a very underrated team. Belgium, to me, they're going to walk over Panama in that first game, so they're going to get off to a good start, which helps the Belgians because my biggest problem with Belgium is they really think they're great, and they haven't really done anything yet. No, it's one of those, uh, what is it, the, the sum of their parts yes. just, just doesn't add up when it comes to the World Cup. they got they're, all these great players. Yep. And they really do, and they're loaded, you know, in every so, position. Yeah, I mean, there's really no weaknesses. But we said that last World Cup and the World Cup exactly. before that. So what does it matter? And to be honest, it's a very similar roster to what they already had. These yep. guys were not old. At the, the first last World Cup, this was a young, super young team that was ultra talented. Now they're just a relatively young team that's been around for a while and has something to prove. Frankly, I, I'm not saying they're not going to win this group. I think they're the better team, even than England. I really do. I think Belgium is the best team in this group. But I'm not saying they're going to go real far in this World Cup either. I, I just don't buy it. No, a lot of pundits are still picking them to be that dark horse, but they were the dark horse four years yes. ago and probably eight years ago. It's just, it's not going to happen. They're not going to go very far, but England has enough talent to also get out of this group and should not have any issues getting out of it. Yeah, I, I agree. I think again, Tunisia is the spark plug there that could cause some issues, but it won't be enough probably. You know, they may get a good draw against England even in the first game. Maybe they even play Belgium tough. Tunisia could beat Panama. I don't think there's any doubt of that. Any chance for the Panamanians, though? I mean, no, not none whatsoever. Man, that is a tough, nope. tough draw for sure. So those are the four groups. I, had, if you're wondering what, I, where were the other groups? I actually previewed those last week here on Soccer Weekly. So if you want to go check out the podcast, which you could do each and every week on iTunes. But Carlos. I know, obviously, the the big kind of cloud over it is the United States didn't qualify, and we've talked about that ad nauseum. So it's not a matter of. But it doesn't take anything away from the World Cup. That's the beauty of this event. No in, no Italy, no Netherlands, no United States, no problem. No, it's a global event. Uh, no Chile either. So, no Chile. Yeah, oh, that was a So blow. many good teams that just did not make it. But it's such a global event that once it starts, you just – you're in the same mode. If you're a soccer fan, you're going to be in the same mode you were if even if the U.S. is not in it. Yeah. Uh, the one thing that the U.S. has going for it is obviously the day before the World Cup starts, we're going to have this – you know, we're going to pick the, uh, you know, who hosts the 2026 World Cup. So that's the one thing all U.S. fans should be looking forward to. Yeah, no I kidding. Think. How in the world can we not beat Morocco out for this? I, I, the money that they've promised even the United States. What was it? I believe they said they did make an $11 billion profit out of $14 billion in, in kind of, the, you know, whatever the spending would or the revenue would be. $11 billion in profit potentially. Now, even if those numbers are a little skewered, 
We're talking about billions of dollars that the United States can virtually guarantee for profit that Morocco quite simply cannot. No, there are about seven or so. I mean, compared to this 13, 12, 13 that uh, the U.S. can easily guarantee. Now, I want to go on record as saying Morocco is an amazing soccer nation. Now, you might think I'm, that's hyperbole. Go take a look at their local clubs in Casablanca, the fans that they have. Widad, I believe is how it's pronounced, W-Y-D-A-D, and Raja, R-A-J-A. Those are the two big clubs in Casablanca. They hate each other, the red and the green. The fans there are some of the best in the world for support. I'm not, so I'm not sitting here telling you Morocco is some bad nation. This, it, this is not Qatar in terms of soccer love, right? I mean, no offense to Qatar in terms of the few or soccer, so- ta- or the soccer few, period. Yeah, the few soccer fans they have in Qatar. I'm sure they're diehard fans. Morocco is a soccer nation. Yeah, like, this is not messing around. So I'm not sitting here telling you, oh, the U.S. and Canada and Mexico are just so much better than, like, Morocco could be even deserving potentially of a World Cup at some point. I'm not, uh, But not this. Let's go. Come on. 2026, after this Qatar and Russia ridiculousness, back to back, well, Russia and Qatar, it's time to bring it back here to the North and Central America here with, the you know, at the very least, North and uh, North America. You know, I don't think they're going to go past Mexico in terms of any team, you know, anybody else hosting. But Mexico, Canada, U.S., it's, it's a no-brainer. How in the world can we lose this? No, like you said, it's a zero, no, it's a, just a total no-brainer. You've, we've seen the statistics, we've seen the ratings, we've seen the revenue that can come from it. I, how do you, how do you turn away that? It was like the biggest World Cup back when it was here the first time. That was 20 plus years ago. Yep. We weren't even a soccer nation then, realistically. It's, it, it would be guaranteed to be the biggest World Cup yet, yes. I think, if we hosted here I, in 2026. I just can't see. And yet, you know, the only reason I'm asking you this question is because they may well lose to Morocco. That's the scary part. They very well may lose. There's so oh. there's so many politics and so much. Uh, there's still corruption I know, at some level, at some point. I don't think know, we can take another loss here on that level. Do you? I'm serious. Like, no. We have to have this. Yep. And it, it, that's just a, that's all I'm going to say. I'm not talking about the politics of U.S. soccer and the presidency and all that. Look, we might just be beat, okay? And you know how that is with FIFA. You can't control all that stuff. Here's the thing that I don't care what anyone tells me. I'm not talking about your politics personally. You cannot blame politics, quote unquote, for this, though, if the U.S. doesn't win. I'm sorry. That's not what it's about. No. I'll only point to Russia and Qatar again that if you're going to blame politics, in air quotes, which is a bad radio bit, how did Russia and, you know what I mean? It's so that goes, this is not about any kind of politics for one nation or another or, because remember, Canada and Mexico are involved too. And nobody seems to hate them around the world. So even if, even if you say, oh, the United States is so hated, it has nothing to do with it when it comes to FIFA. There's always some other underlying you know, backdoor thing that we don't even know about. Quite I'm, frankly, I'm, I'm still questioning if the Qatar World Cup is going to happen. Well, but that, that, I, I, I would have no, I have no question that a cup, a World Cup in the United States would happen and yeah. would would it's be a, a great point. benefit to the to FIFA. That, but I have, I have no knows? idea if the Qatar one's going to happen. Although they keep saying, no, 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 that's impossible. It's never going to. But yeah, it's, you may well be onto something there. But in any event, I mean, that is a massive day that Carla and I, we wanted to talk about that. Huge day coming up the day before with the uh, World Cup, you know, announcing in 2026 where that's going to be held or announcing Yeah. Massive. Speaking of massive, Ernie Stewart, just want a quick little uh, tidbit on this, Carlos. Uh, He gets announced as the general manager of U.S. soccer for the men's side. I guess they're going to have a a general manager for the women's side as well eventually, but uh, 
This just seems like kind of a much ado about nothing to me, Carlos. What is he going to do exactly? I mean, I know you got to hire a coach, but this is not, you're not building a franchise here as the general man. You know, it's not like Ernie Stewart has to go out and, oh, we got to get ready for the draft. I mean, they, what? they've outlined some of the things he's, uh, I guess he's going to be in charge of doing, but it sounds like a lot of platitudes. Yeah. Uh, the words that come out of somebody like Ernie Stewart are just the, the typical things we've heard for years and decades now. And I don't know that. Nice guy. I'm still, I'm, I'm, st- again, I'm still waiting for that change to happen, and yeah. I don't see it with, uh, no, with Ernie Stewart. Ernie Stewart's a great dude, you know, well beloved. I'm sure he's going to do a good job in whatever job he's supposed to do. But that's the issue for me. What in the world is he supposed to do? Wouldn't I don't, anybody I don't they picked though for this position kind of be in the same? Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Wouldn't they be thought of the same way though? Yeah, I wouldn't imagine they would have screwed it up too much with anybody they picked realistically. Yeah. So. Well, yeah, no doubt about it. Hey, we'll stick around. We still have stoppage time. Still got more to get to as well. We'll bring in the great Mario Reeves who will help us with that. This is Soccer Weekly. Carlos Torres in with me. I'm Dave Denholm, and you are listening to the home of world football here in Southern California, ESPN LA 710. This is Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710. I am Dave Denholm. Don't forget, you can follow me on Twitter, at TalkSoccer. Really pumped about that announcement we had earlier on with Mike Trudell on the show. If you're just joining us, the announcement is this. We're doing a soccer nightly show, soccer tonight, every Monday through Friday during the World Cup. That's right. Mike and I are going to be hosting that. We cannot wait to break this thing down each and every game, each and every day. You know all the news just piles up when it comes to the World Cup. We're pumped about that. I'm super excited in this show that we've been having the great Carlos Torres in studio with me. Carlos, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for taking the time. Real quick, Carlos, Cal South. Now, most people listening to this show certainly have either a kid playing in Cal South or playing <laughs> themselves in the adult leagues of Cal South. But for the people who love radio and don't really listen or don't really know soccer, they just love me, frankly, here at Soccer Weekly, which, you know, there's a lot of them. Well, Cal South, give me a little, just a quick couple of bullet points about what, what is going on there with that organization. I mean, for, for those of you that don't know, we're the a state association under the federation, under U.S. soccer, um, here in Southern California. So, yeah. You know, we, we control uh, youth soccer, adult soccer, um, uh, again, under the auspices of U.S. soccer. So, How yeah. many uh, hundreds of thousands of people are in that, literally? A couple hundred thousand, yeah. yeah. I was going to say if I had a buck for every one of them, but that's just not even a joke <laughs> because there's literally uh, hundreds of thousands of people involved in Cal South. So it's uh, good to talk to you, buddy. And uh, Carlos knows his stuff. We used to host a three for a win back in the day together, which was one of the, you know, First really good soccer podcast out there, to be perfectly honest. But Carlos went off and got a good job, so we had to say adieu to that. But as Carlos said, we did all right. So we're here now talking about it on Soccer Weekly. We do want to get to the black and gold breakdown. It is time for LAFC's black and gold breakdown. One, two, three, breakdown! It's the black and gold breakdown. Breakdown. Break it down like this. Right now. Of course, you heard on the ESPN app last night, LAFC moves on in the Open Cup, U.S. Open Cup victory over Fresno FC in their first ever Open Cup game. Actually, it was Fresno FC's third. It's their first year of existence as well. So playing the USL side, LAFC got a 2-0 victory, a couple of goals within three minutes of each other early in the second half, and it was really a dominant performance. LA Galaxy moved on in that competition, Carlos. There was some thought that maybe... Hopefully the two would get drawn together in that Western region for the next round, which is the quarterfinals. But indeed, LA Galaxy is going to be playing Portland. LAFC has been drawn to Sacramento Republic. So there's still the possibility we could actually get an LA Derby for this. Now let me ask you, Carlos, as a guy who is, uh, you know, no, no bones about it. You're a Galaxy guy. You've been, uh, been there for many years. What are your thoughts so far on LAFC? Can you, can you kind of drop the expansion label off this team already? Uh, I mean, we'll, we'll see what they do this year. Obviously, the rest of the season, they're going to go through some, uh, 
a little bit of struggle here as the World Cup. Uh, yeah, we've uh, seen that already with Vela yeah, missing Vela gone. last game. Yeah, but they're a fascinating team. Uh, they're they're very well put together. Not as deep as they I think they could be or want to be. Uh, but no, they're, they're fun to, to watch on the field. Uh, very energetic, very quick, a lot of talent, a lot of youth on that team. And all the pieces that uh, Bob Bradley put together are, are working very well together. Yeah, one of the things uh, that Carlos mentioned in putting together the roster, I do want to mention that I didn't mention in the uh, L.A. Care health report because we're not exactly sure where we're at with him. Is Adama Diamante, he had to leave the game after being hit in the head late in that first half. It was almost stoppage time at the time kind of fell awkwardly and ran into the knee of a player from the other team with no intention there, just kind of glanced his head pretty badly. So we're not exactly sure where that stands. So that's another thing we got to keep an eye out for LAFC. Carlos, this organization with Bob Bradley right from the jump, as you mentioned, John Thorrington putting this team together. Now we're waiting for a guy like Andre Horta to come from Portugal in the next transfer window. I've talked to other people around the league, and some of them say, you know, it's kind of like the, the Vegas Golden Knights thing where – well, expansion teams, they don't have the baggage of these bad contracts, and they kind of have an advantage almost to build their team from scratch. I don't buy that in MLS because if you screw up with Carlos Vela or Diego Rossi or Andre Horta, let's say, if you screw up, you're in trouble in this league. You still have to get it right. no matter. I'm sorry if San Jose screwed up over the years. That's not my fault if I'm LAFC. A lot of teams have screwed up <laughs> a lot over the years. And like I said, LAFC, to. LAFC yeah. is getting it right. Uh, you know, they can't afford any injuries. Uh, like I said, Carlos Vela is going to be gone. That's going to hurt him a bit. But I think they'll, they'll bounce right back when he comes back. Uh, we'll see. This is a long season in Major League Soccer, one of the longest in the world. Uh, not in games, but actually just in, in, in the amount of months that it takes to play. Uh, so we'll see. But then again, Major League Soccer is one of those leagues where half the teams make it into the playoffs. So I don't think LAFC should have any issues getting into, uh, yeah, the playoffs. See, here's where I kind of, I almost disagree with you on that in a weird way. Not because I think you're wrong per se, but this is a kind of a tricky time for LAFC. You know, they had that weird start in the sense of it was so great. Then they get drubbed by Atlanta after that miserable uh, derby that just fell apart with Zlatan did Zlatan things and it was so fascinating that LAFC really couldn't get mad about it they were just like holy cow that was ridiculous and then they get killed by Atlanta they come back with two big wins so they're building up then they start off at home decent they've played all right they haven't lost but they're kind of getting into that let's draw some games and this is a tricky time for them with this World Cup thing you mentioned it a little bit with Vela Start to pile up some losses. Now, remember, they haven't won in five straight. Yep. Now, there's three draws in there, so it's not the end of the world. But you really got to keep getting points now because, as crazy as it sounds, some teams are starting to get hot. As you say, it is a long season. Maybe we even see Seattle start to play better somehow. Who knows? You know, they've always turned it on late, too. I'm a little leery of this in terms of LAFC. They've got to get points Against teams like San Jose right now, who are, I know it's a road game, but you know, they're miserable right now. You gotta take advantage of this stuff in MLS. You know. Well, well speaking of Seattle, they, they said they're gonna spend money in this transfer window. So True. they could get yeah. hot. They yep. could obviously climb out of the, you know, the, the doldrums they're in. Uh, but I think, you know, there's a break in MLS yeah. that's gonna kinda, you know, go, go along with the World Cup. So I think that's gonna help LAFC. There's uh, enough bad teams in the West too that a lot. probably will not get And better. that's the one thing that I respect about LAFC. When they come across a bad team, they beat a bad team. Yeah. Well, that's a good point. Minnesota United comes to mind. Uh, you know, no offense to Minnesota United. They're actually building something and Quintero has made them better. But you've got teams like Colorado and, and the aforementioned Seattle who are certainly struggling. Yeah, the West is still not 
fantastic. I think the West is actually better than they were last season, due in no small part to LAFC being part of it and actually being pretty good. But the Eastern Conference still. Hey, that's black and gold breakdown. We always want to touch upon LAFC. But, Carlos, you bring up some good points about MLS's long season in that you really have to grab wins when you can in this league. It's not about draws. It's not about scrapping some points on the road. We've talked about this for years off the air and stuff. This is a league now where three points goes a long way if you can start racking up a couple of wins in a row. Look at what Portland's doing right now. Yeah, and, and or us, Toronto, and the Galaxy yeah. on the flip side of yeah. somebody like Portland. That's they, a very need good those point. three points. What about your Galaxy, brother? Uh, they uh, kind of like up and down roller coaster, much like it started last year, believe it or not. People think Kurt Anolfo was horrific from the get-go, when really it was right around now that things started to fall apart last year for the LA Galaxy. Where do they go this year? They certainly have more talent than they did last year. This is a much better team on paper. Much better team on paper, but they're just not putting it together on the field. Uh, you can't pencil you can't pencil in any wins uh, when the Galaxy plays any of these teams, whether they're a good team or a bad team. Uh, it surprised me a lot that they got a point in Portland last week. But the fact that you can't pencil in anything, it's, it's, it's really frustrating as a Galaxy fan. But, you know, they, they can still, you know, if they can go after some defense, you know, get somebody like Jeff Cameron, who's been rumored about. Yeah, that's true. Uh, bring somebody in, like, somebody one. like him in and it just, they need, they're still in a couple more pieces. Uh, but Sigi needs to do something different to get these pieces actually working together. I agree. Now I'm going to do a little LA Galaxy game with, uh, Mario Rees here. Let's bring him in for stoppage time here. I'm pulling punches and taking over the hosting duties here, Mario. Is I that know you, right? You probably had stuff ready, but we're going to switch the tables on you. Oh, my Mario goodness. Mario and Carlos, I'm going to give you a yes or no, right? Okay. That's the only answer you can give. And I'm going to name Galaxy players. In other words, do you really want these guys? Are they good enough? Add, all, add that all in, just yes or no when I tell you the player, oh, okay? Boy. Here we go. Perry Kitchen, Mario. No. Carlos? No. See, oh boy, you guys, these guys know what they're talking That's about. A big no, too. Chris Pontius, Carlos. I'm going to say yes. Mario? It's a light yes. <laughs> I can understand that. All right, here we go. Zlatan Ibrahimovic, Mario. Yes. Of course, yes. Yeah, see, I didn't even have to say his name. And finally, uh, one that I think is uh, actually quite interesting that could have effect in the part of the last part of the season. Emmanuel Boateng, Carlos. He's a big spark plug. Yes. Mario? Love Boateng. Wow. Love Interesting. See, I thought that one might be a little split there. I didn't know where, which, who was going to go which way, but that's kind of fascinating. So that's stoppage time, Mario. Thanks so much as usual. Dave, I do have an update, too. I just spoke with LAFC staff, and they said that Diamande will be list- listed as questionable okay. with the next strain. Oh, okay. Next strain. So at least yeah. it's not a concussion type thing. But he did take a bit of a blow there. Good to know. Good work by Mario Reyes, the great producer. Thanks so much to Carlos Torres. Carlos, it's always a pleasure, buddy. Thank you, Dave. I can't thank you enough. Again, if I haven't said it enough, you're doing great things. Congratulations on everything you're doing. Uh, keep at it. I really you're appreciate that. I'm buying dinner just for that. It's on me. <laughs> Mario Reyes, Carlos, appreciate him. And thanks to Mike Trudell. We're going to be hosting that show. You can follow me on Twitter at Talk Soccer. We'll have more about that World Cup show every night, Monday through Fridays, here on ESPN LA 710. I am Dave Downholm. This is Soccer Weekly on the home of world football in Southern California. It is ESPN LA 710.